Well, it's a joy to be with you and uh, been so good to visit with so many of you. And thank you for your kind words because that's the only time I receive them. <laughs> so thank all of you for that. <laughs> you know, Andrew is, is uh, he's always talking about my age, but uh, he talked about when we crossed the Red Sea. And you know, the first thing we saw when we got on the other side was Andrew standing over there saying, I've got a three-tape series on how to be a wire walker. I was there when God turned on the lights, and the first thing I saw was Andrew. He was standing over in a corner saying, I'm blessed, I'm blessed. (laughs) Well, someone asked me, what are you going to minister on? And I said, well, I could spend all my time correcting what's been done up until this point. So... But I guess I'll, uh, I'll let them uh, go on what they've shared. I, I had a real great message on uh, three dimensions, and I was going to talk about the cowboys, but someone else got there first. And uh, then I was going to teach on worship, and then Daniel blew that one. And then Arthur got all excited, so I'm going to try to stay calm. And then Greg talked about wisdom. So I thought I'd try to use a little of that, since I know I have it now. (laughs) Hallelujah. But I want to mention, uh, first of all, my wife is back in the back, Glenda. She's a blessing. And uh, this, uh, just in a couple of months, we'll be celebrating our 50th wedding anniversary. So... uh, You know, that's, that's hard to know how you can do that when you're as young as we are. So, but it's God. He makes things happen. So uh, we've been married 50 years and we're only 49 years old. So, all right. So I want to talk about, uh, before I get into what I believe the Lord put on my heart to share, Andrew mentioned that uh, I, I'm the director of World Outreach. And for those of you that might not know, That's a division of Andrew Womack Ministries, and our primary uh, task is to establish Karis Bible Colleges around the world. And uh, as he said, we have 34 at present. Uh, This coming school year, that'll be increased to 40. And God is just doing an awesome work around the world through the CBC program. And, uh, you know, once again, it's, it's not all the personalities or individuals, but it's the message. And it's because we honor the Word of God and we honor the Holy Spirit. And He's blessing what we're doing. But what you might not know is that World Outreach, although it's a part of Andrew's ministry, is a, uh, and I don't know how to exactly say it, it's kind of a separate entity within the ministry. And we have our own uh, partnership. We have our, our own mailing list. And so if you're not a, a part, if you haven't signed up, for world outreach, then you're not on our list where we share what God is doing in our schools around the world and and what's coming up and testimonies. 
And so if you'd like to keep informed about what's happening in our CBCs around the world, you need to stop by the table out here. It's where the T-shirts are. We have a brochure that explains world outreach. We've got a school directory showing you where all the schools are. And you can sign up and become a partner with us and help us to continue to advance uh, the kingdom of God by establishing our schools uh, all over the world and throughout the United States. So God is just doing a wonderful thing. And, and uh, we see it, the transformed lives that as they come into school and sit under the word of God, and we have a core curriculum that's taught in every single school. And so it's a message that's life-changing. And uh, we see the same fruit, whether it's the school in Uganda or the school in Chicago or the school in Dallas or any place in the world, the Soviet Union, well, I started to say uh, St. Petersburg, Russia, started to say the Soviet Union, but that's, you see how old I am. And, uh, but uh, this, the, it's the word of God that's changing lives. And so we would appreciate you coming by picking up a brochure and getting on the mailing list and uh, join with us as we continue to establish these schools and see God change lives for his glory. And it is just an honor and a privilege to be a part of this organization and, and uh, what God is doing. We know we're not the only ones, but we are ones and God is using us in a great manner. So stop by the table and get informed about world outreach. All right. I think that's the commercials. And so uh, now we'll get into the word. You know, back uh, a few years ago, and and I'm I'm celebrating another milestone this year, uh, come October, be 40 years of full-time ministry. And uh, when I first started, well, it wasn't exactly right at the beginning because I, I didn't really know in the beginning how to hear the voice of the Lord clearly. But as I continued to seek the Lord and study the word and spend time with him, I became a little better at hearing what God was saying. And he set the course of my ministry many years ago. And one of the main things that he spoke into my life was, I want you to proclaim the full counsel of the word of God with balance. And he gave me the proverb that says a a false weight is an abomination to the, or false balance is an abomination to the Lord but a just weight is his delight. And with that commission from the Lord, uh, I've tried to stay in that balanced presentation of the word of God. And so I'm going to, this morning, I'm going to spend a lot of time going through scriptures. I'm actually going to turn to them and have you turn to them. And we're going to read them because it is the word of God that should be our foundation. And it, it is a balanced word. Now, too often we don't hear the balance. And so this is what I want to address this morning is that we look at this and, you know, just to to start off with and just to establish really what my heart is trying to communicate to you this morning, I want you to, first of all, turn in your Bible over to 2 Timothy chapter 3. And this is something that, you know, I'm, I'm, I just, uh, is, is very dear to me. And this is something that we at Karis Bible College uh, really strive to keep before the students. And it is the fact that our life should be based upon the Word of God. And so here in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse number 16, I want to read this verse just to 
set the, the tone for what I want to share. Verse 16 starts off by saying, all scripture. Notice that first word, all. Now we've been taught well by Andrew that uh, the Greek definition of the word all means all. Hey, after all, we're a Bible school, so we're, we're into this intellectual stuff. All scripture, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness. I want you to know it says all scripture. It doesn't say only a select part. And one thing we strive to do at at Karis Bible College is to present all scripture. And so we cover everything from Genesis to Revelation and everything in between. And the reason I bring that up is because we're living in a day and an age that a lot of people are being very selective in what scripture they believe has any application for you and I. But if I read this correctly, it says all scripture. And if you'll remember when Paul was writing this, the only scripture they were dealing with was the Old Testament. And so many people have dismissed it. Now don't get confused and think that I don't understand we're under a new covenant, which is a better covenant founded on better promises. But Paul himself, who was responsible for over half of the New Testament, told us that the things that are recorded in the Old Testament were there for our admonition for our instruction, for our examples. And so it's valuable that we take all of scripture and not just a select few. And so often in what we hear taught today, and there's a lot of stuff going around, it's a, it's a lot of bad stuff going around. God's getting blamed for it, but he's not involved in it. Scripture will interpret itself. And we have to be careful that we don't go through and only pick isolated text to back up what we've already established we believe. The denomination I came out of, we had a term for this and it was called proof texting. And by that, I mean, we decide what we believe and then we go find one or two scriptures to prove that. How many of you know our belief should be based upon what scripture says instead of the other way around? And so this morning, I want to look at some scripture that I think brings balance, that brings correct instruction on how we walk with the Lord. (coughs) So first of all, and you don't have to turn here, I just want to establish this, that is God's plan, according to Romans chapter eight, verse 29, (coughs) God says those that he uh, foreknew, he predestined. To be conformed to the, Michael, I've got two bottles up here. I'm okay. Thank you for the offer though. It says that uh, those he foreknew, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, Jesus, that Jesus might be the firstborn among many brethren. This is a, a scripture that describes God's will for every single one of us. And God is working in us and every one of us in this room that know Jesus. We're at some point in being conformed to the image of Jesus. Some are closer than others. Some are just beginning. 
but we're all in the process of being conformed to the very image of Jesus. And it says that Jesus might be the firstborn among many brethren. And we're the ones that make up the many brethren. I like to say it this way. It's one of those paraphrases that I use. God was so proud of his firstborn, he wanted the rest of his kids to be just like him. And so all of us at some point in in our walk with the Lord, we're being changed to become more like Jesus. And of course, the obvious reason for that is because Jesus was the express image of the Father. And so he was able to reveal the Father God to a world that had no comprehension of how God really was. Jesus came and perfectly revealed God the Father. And you and I need to understand, and and this is something that we we need to take into consideration. (coughs) The saints of the Old Testament really didn't have a true picture of God. They, they knew that God was, was awesome. They knew he was mighty. They knew that there was a God. But an understanding of them, most of them did not have a very good understanding of. And if you'll think for a minute, if we were just talking about God Almighty and begin to read the scriptures that describe him, this being that we don't even know how to describe, that uh, was able to speak the world into existence that could, could hold the earth in the palm of his hand, that uh, flung the stars into their place, an all-knowing that has always been and always will be, that knows the end from the beginning. When we begin to try to describe a, a being as that, it, it's hard for us to relate to. And I believe God had that understanding that he was being misunderstood. And to solve the problem, I believe he made a decision that the only way people were going to be able to truly identify with him is if he became one of us. And so the marvelous plan that he came up with is that he would become a man. And we have that happening and we, we don't have time to cover all the details, but we know that Jesus came into the world as a man though he was God and his purpose was to reveal God. One of the translations said that uh, he came to bring God out so that men could see him. And so now you and I are blessed to be when we, the time that we're living in because it's already taken place and it's already, already been recorded for us. And we understand that If we see Jesus, he says, you've seen God. So anyone who is struggling with the character and the nature of God, how he really is, all you have to do is study the four gospels, the life of Jesus, and you get a revelation of God Almighty. Because Jesus truly said, if you've seen me, you have seen the Father God. So, One of the missions that Jesus had was to reveal God in a a fashion that people could identify with. Now we find out that the mission, one of the main missions for the church, which is you and I, 
All of us that are truly born again, we make up the church. And God's plan for us is to be conformed to the image of Jesus so that when people see us, they begin to see God. Our call in life is to bring God out so that men can see him. You and I have been called by God representing him here on earth. And our life should demonstrate the life of God that's in us. And so this is the process all of us are in. But sometimes we get carried away and we only look at, at one, one part of this plan that God has. And in so doing, we find people in this conflict and we begin to hear teaching that God has done it all and you do nothing. On the other side of that extreme is that, God, you just sit down, we can take care of it. We can do it all. How many of you know the truth is right in the middle? And so I want to read a few scriptures here. If you uh, will go with me now, let's, let's just set the stage here. Let's go over to Mark chapter three. And we're just going to, we're just going to read one verse here to, to, and then we'll, we'll move on to these others. But here's what I want you to see. Mark chapter three and verse number 14. And here it's just a simple statement. If you read it, you'll miss it. But Jesus is speaking of Jesus and it says he ordained 12. And then here's the, the part that sometimes we miss. That they should be with him. Notice the emphasis in the scripture is that they should be with him. The emphasis was who they would become, not primarily what they would do. And being with him, they learned his attitudes, they learned his values, they learned his priorities. Look at these scriptures, Luke chapter 6, verse number 40. The disciple is not above his master. But everyone that is perfect shall be as his master. Ephesians chapter 5. I told you we're going to read a lot of scriptures and I'm going to take the time to turn and read them. It's easy for us to get in a hurry and begin to quote, but let's, let's look at it with our own eyes. Ephesians 5.1. Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. And then 1 John chapter 2. And verse number 6. 1 John 2, 6. He that says he abides in him ought himself also so to walk even as he walked. This is saying that we should be with Jesus so that we could learn to be like Jesus. And so as we spend time with him, we, we begin to learn how Jesus responded to people, how he conducted himself, how he lived, how he approached different situations, how he dealt with people in different situations. Paul the apostle 
took this to heart. And he spent time with Jesus. After his conversion on the Damascus Road, he went apart and just spent time with Jesus. Spending time with Jesus <coughs> in order to become like Jesus. And so Paul followed these principles. And as a result, as, and we're fixing to look at some of the statements that Paul made, Paul came to wrestle with this question as he really began to zero in in that relationship with the Lord and as he was being conformed to the image of Jesus, he began to wrestle with this question. Is this me or is this God in me? He struggled with who was doing what. You say, I don't understand what you're talking about. Well, let's look at a couple of verses that will, I think, bring this out to you. Over in Galatians, And this scripture has been quoted already this week, but look at this. In Galatians 2, verse 20, Paul made this statement. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. You see the conflict Paul was having? He says, I'm dead but I'm alive, but it's not really me. It's really God, but it's really me, but it's really God. Look at this one. First Corinthians chapter 15, verse number 10. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace, which was bestowed upon me was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. So Paul, (laughs) what a dilemma. Well, then Paul, he was saying to himself, I live, but it's not really me. I work, but it wasn't really me. But it really was me. I labored, but it wasn't me, it was grace. But it was me. So you see the conflict that Paul was having. He he was saying, I live or I work. But then he would clarify and say, but it really wasn't me or it wasn't just me. But it was Christ living and working through me. And so Paul didn't believe that because Christ was dwelling in him, that meant that he had been thrown into a state of do nothing, of inactivity, passivity, or irresponsibility. As many teach today, there's a real dangerous teaching going about that, that Jesus did it all. Well, how many of you know Jesus did do it all? But that doesn't leave you without a, a, a sense of responsibility. Even being born again, which we know was by the grace of God, but how many of you know if you don't respond and accept that, It doesn't work. Yes, Jesus did it all, but we have a part. And this is the part that seems to be left out in so many occasions. And so we're going to look at this today. Certainly Paul rested in the Lord's finished work. And he recognized that God was the source of all life and power within him. But he recognized that he was to be an active participant with God. 
that it wasn't just, just that he sat by and God did it all. He recognized his complete dependence upon God, but he also recognized that God desired his active cooperation with him in serving and obeying and, and fulfilling heaven's plan for his life. Look at Colossians chapter one and verse number 29. Whereto I also labor, striving according to his working, which works in me mightily. Paul is once again at that place, is it me or is it God? And how many of you know the answer is It's not either or, but it's both and. It was God working in and through Paul and Paul yielding and cooperating with God. And here's the plan. It's God working in you, but you must cooperate and work with him. Folks, these things that God has promised are not automatic If it was just automatic and it was all up to God, how many of you know every single one of us in this place would be equally blessed, healed, delivered, whatever the promises are. If it was all God, then we would all be the same because God is no respecter of people. And yet we look around and see there's vast differences in the lives of individuals. And it's not because of God, but it's because of us. We are the factor that determines what we experience in life. It's you and I. God is no respecter of people. By his stripes, the, the, the price has been paid for all to be healed, but some aren't. The price has been paid for all to be saved, but all aren't. And the, the missing factor that oftentimes is not factored in is what you do. Everyone is not saved. Everyone is not going to be saved. Although provision has already been made for everyone to be saved. We've got to get the balance of the message that God does his part, but then we have a part also to play. Let's continue to read on here. We've got to cooperate with the Lord. We need to, you know, accurately discern what God's role is in our lives and what our role is. What are his responsibilities and what are ours? If people think that God is done or is doing everything, it leads to a life of irresponsibility, passivity, inactivity, and people just go about their daily business and and don't give a flip about what God is trying to tell them to do because they think, well, God's doing it all. On the other hand, you've got people thinking that it's it's all they're doing. It's up to them. They must get it done. And what happens then is you just get totally worn out, exhausted, or a term used often, burned out. And all of us have probably been through that. The balance is there. God does his part. We do our part. Paul didn't say, I don't live at all. It's all Christ. Neither did he say, I didn't do any work of any kind. It was only God's grace doing it. No, he said, nevertheless, I live. And he said, I labored more abundantly than they all. And then he qualified his role by recognizing God as his source. And throughout the gospels, Jesus 
gave that, uh, that same truth. And when people would come to him, he'd say, the son of his own self can do nothing. It's the father in me doing the work. And of course, the father was in him by the spirit. And so Jesus was testifying that everything he did, he did by the power of the Holy Spirit. But how many of you know Jesus had to cooperate with the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit didn't just come in and, and, and make Jesus do things. He cooperated with the Holy Spirit. But neither did Jesus just sit down and fold his arms and say, well, the Spirit's doing the work. We see Jesus going out and he was reaching out and he was touching the sick. He was proclaiming the gospel. He was involved, but he was always giving credit to the Holy Spirit the same way that Paul did. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet it's not I, but Christ in me. I labored more abundantly than they all. Although it wasn't me, it was grace working. Folks, it's not either or, it's both and. It's God in you. But you must cooperate and let him work through you and with you. And that brings up another subject. <laughs> what about works? Sometimes that seems to frighten some of the modern day Christians. Work? Now, most of you are not old enough to remember. Dobie Gillis and the character Maynard G. Krebs. Who, when someone would say work, he had this react, work. I know a lot of Christians that are Maynard G. Krebs. You say work and they, man, they get you like this. Don't talk about works. It's not about works. Well, what does the scripture say about works? Once again, we don't base our beliefs on what we think or what we've heard, but let's, let's base it up on scripture. What does scripture say about works? Now, y'all calm down. I know you're getting too excited because I'm going to talk about works. <laughs> Ephesians 2.9. This, this is a real popular verse and, and a great verse. It says, and it's talking about verse 8, it says, For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves is the gift of God, and then not of works, lest any man should boast. Right? Well, that's what scripture says. Now let's look at uh, another scripture here. Titus chapter three, verse five. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. So both these verses, Ephesians 2, 9 and Titus 3, 5, emphatically state our salvation is not based on our works. It's a gift. The gift of salvation is God's part. He offers that to us freely based upon the finished work of Jesus. And we receive this wonderful gift by faith. But let's read a little further. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to good works, which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. So we didn't, works had nothing to do with us being saved, but when we get saved, guess what? We're ordained to do good works. Titus chapter three, verse eight. 
Verse 5 told us it won by the works of righteousness. But look at this in verse 8. This is a faithful saying. And these things I will that you affirm constantly, that they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable to men. So this says that we're, we're saved without works, but we're saved for good works, and that we're to maintain these good works. That's our part. See, together, salvation by grace through faith and good works that result from and follow salvation point us to the whole counsel of God, not just one part. See, if we just keep reading scriptures instead of stopping. No, we're not saved by works. That's pretty obvious. Ephesians, uh, that verse 2, 9 says it very clearly. Uh, and, And Titus says it very clearly. We didn't do anything. It was a free gift of God. But once we receive that free gift, we've been ordained unto good works. And this doesn't present a, a contradiction, but a progression. Salvation starts with God saving us when we were totally incapable of saving ourselves. However, once he has saved us and made us children through faith, he works in us to a degree that we work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. It's in the Bible, and it becomes a reality in our life. And then we ask the question. So when we're out doing what God has asked us to do, is it you or is it God? And the answer is, it's God working in you and you yielding yourself to him in submission and obedience to God. We've got to see that we've got a part in all of this. And we mustn't ever exclude that part. In Ephesians chapter 2, it's amazing how Scripture does this. In Ephesians chapter 2 verse 6, it talks about that we're seated together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. But then we go over to Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 1. It says, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherein you're called. So one place we're seated, the next place we're walking. Ephesians 6 says that to stand against. When we're seated, we're resting in his finished work. But when we're walking and standing, we're acting on his finished work. You know, it's not... I'm not as clever as Barry and give you three dimensions, but I can give you two. (laughs) You know, it's it's, next year if we do this again and I'm invited back, I want to be first speaker. (laughs) I don't want to come after all these other guys. You see Gary's planning in this, though. He had the good teachers first. Well, we talked about works. Let's talk about something else. Let's talk about cleansing. This is a good subject. Cleansing. Does God cleanse us or do we cleanse ourselves? Don't try to answer that yet. It's a trick question. Every Christian I know would heartily rejoice in the fact that God through the blood of Jesus has cleansed us from all sin. Amen? Amen. That wasn't very good. 
Are you not convinced? Through the blood of Jesus, we've been cleansed of every sin. And and we could look at Hebrews chapter 9, Hebrews chapter 10, and we won't take the time to, to read all those, but you can on your own. And it stresses God's part in cleansing. And we do not, in any form or fashion, take away from what Jesus did through his shed blood. I mean, that's what it's all about, folks. You know, sometimes we get so sidetracked We need to read some of Paul's writings and he'll bring us back to center court when he says, I've just got one message. That's Christ and him crucified. So what he's telling us, it doesn't make any difference where where you start or where you end. It all revolves around what Jesus did at Calvary's cross. And any message that takes away from that is not a message from God because it's all about what Jesus accomplished at Calvary. And so... I I believe that the blood of Jesus cleanses us, takes care of, removes every sin. But now look at 2 Corinthians chapter 7. I told you when we started that the word is, is a balanced word. 2 Corinthians chapter 7 verse 1. Now I was in a meeting one time, this was years ago. And the first speaker got up and his whole message was about how God had taken care of our sin, had forgiven us. And and I mean, he really uh, did a bang up job about what God had done about it. And he he used a lot of the scriptures from 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Well, when he got through, I got up and I said, well, I'm just going to, I'm just going to come in on the tail end of his message and let's pick up where he left off. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit perfecting holiness in the fear of the Lord. Hello? <laughs> See, we don't, we don't often read that scripture. But that scripture is just as inspired by God as all of those that talks about how Through the blood of Jesus, we've been cleansed. And so once again, God does his part, but guess what? Having these promises, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit perfect and holiness in the fear of the Lord. Why, you know, we cooperate with God so that people can see the lifestyle that we're living is representative of our relationship with God. Folks, I, 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 and you know, I, Andrew and I came from, from different paths as we came together, it, but it's amazing some of the truths that God had revealed to Andrew and had revealed to me as we came together. And one of those teachings that many years ago really opened my eyes was spirit, soul, and body. And it was marvelous to see what God had done in our spirit. And, and there's no doubt about what God has done in our spirit. And, and it's this new man on the inside of us is created in the image and likeness of God. And, and, and we know that. But you know what? A lost and dying world can't see your spirit. We can be so perfect on the inside, but if something doesn't happen to the outside, we have no testimony or no witness. And this is what what Paul is talking about. Yes, Jesus 
God through Jesus and through the cross of Christ has, has perfected us in the inner man and, and we're created in the image and likeness of God. But that has to have an outworking. And that's where it comes in our responsibility. It's when we begin to live a lifestyle that is given testimony that we do have a relationship with God. Our daily living should give witness of that fact. And so that means that Christians should be living a radically different lifestyle to that of the world. Sad to say, there's so many churches that have decided they'd rather look like the world so that they can attract the world and then they're all just worldly together. Paul made the statement, said, come ye out and be you separate and touch not the unclean thing. What fellowship does light have with darkness? Folks, it's important how you live. And, and once again, there's so many people that have just read selected verses that say, now, you quit trying to put me back under the law. Well, what were you doing under it to start with? That's not the law. That's not bondage. That's being conformed to the image of Jesus. Realize there's a Godward side and a manward side to salvation. What God did for us and how we respond to it and act upon what he did for us. Ephesians, the book of Ephesians just demonstrates this perfectly. Chapters one through three, you could just, you could put a heading over those three chapters and say, done. Finished. Blessed. Accepted. Seated. All of these verses here in the first three chapters talks about we're seated together in heavenly places. We're blessed with all spiritual blessings. We're accepted in the beloved. But then we start on chapter four and and go through chapter six and it's all due. First three chapters is done. The chapters four through six, due. And all of those chapters are telling us what to do. It starts off there in, uh, we read it a while ago. Chapter four, verse one, therefore the, I, therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you're called. Chapter five, be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. Uh, chapter six, children obey your parents. Honor your father. See, these are doing verses because of the done verses. We do because Jesus done. But it's a cooperation of the two. And we need to see that. Is it God or is it us? No, it's both of us. Well, look at this over verse that sometimes we don't spend a lot of time in some of these little books, but over in, in Jude. I don't go there so often. It's hard to even find that one. But look at this in verse 24. Now to him that is able to keep you from falling... And to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To the only wise God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, dominion, and power both now and forever. Amen. But then right back over to 1 Peter. Chapter 5. Chapter 1, verse 5. Who are kept by the power of God through faith to salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. So we see we're kept by God, but look at this in 1 John. Chapter, 1 John chapter 5, verse 18. 
We know that whosoever is born of God sins not, but he that is begotten of God keeps himself. See, we read verses where God keeps us. But now we're reading verses that we to keep ourselves and make sure that the wicked one touches him not. Verse 21, little children, keep yourselves from idols. Amen. Jude, once again, verse 21, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to eternal life. And then James, having a little Bible drill here this morning. James chapter one, verse number 27. Pure religion and undefiled before God and the fathers this, to visit the fatherless, the widows and their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. So what we're talking about is that does God do something? Yeah, it says he, he keeps us. But then we're told, keep ourselves. Do you realize the whole point that I'm trying to make this morning is just to communicate to you that we have a part. And it's responding to God's part. But we have so many people today that feel like, well, God did it all, I do nothing. Or the other camp that you do it all and God does nothing. And the truth of the matter is right down the middle of the road, God does his part and we do our part. Is it God or is it me? No, it's God and me. It's God and me. So here we wind this up. The wonderful finished work of Christ does not nullify our responsibility to be doers of the word and not hearers only. As we trust and follow the Lord Jesus Christ, we actively yield to, obey, and cooperate with his plan and purpose that is being worked out in our lives. Amen. Now that might not have got you up and running the aisles and jumping up and down, but I believe it's valuable to realize you have a part as well as God has a part. And let's be about our Father's business. Amen. Thank you.